Right. Um, hey, guys, we are jumping into a brand new series um, called Soul Care. And the idea behind the series is like um, one of my favorite quotes. There are far, far greater things ahead than any we leave behind. It's a C.S. Lewis quote. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I like trying to keep things in front of me that I'm thinking about that I have um, – excitement for and hope in and looking forward to and things like that. Um, and so as we are thinking about, so we're not doing like a traditional holiday series. Um, you can clap for that if you know, I'm just kidding. Um, we are doing one here at Crossroads. So I was like, it's kind of redundant if we're doing one too. So here's what we're doing. We're going to focus on how to care for our souls as we are thinking about the new year. Okay. We're in the holiday season. It's busy. Everything's going crazy. We just got out of this series about gratitude, right? And now we're going to be thinking about caring for our souls. Um, when we were in this series about gratitude, one of the cool things was, um, something birthed out of our, our small group discussion on Thursdays where we, we dove into actual fasting and, um, and it was a, a, a really awesome experience, but I really feel Abba kind of challenging us to go deeper as a community, as a group. And, um, and so I'm excited to do that. Um, couple of quotes here really quickly. I'm going to read a couple things to you. Um, the great malady of the 20th century. Obviously, this is an old quote. Uh, the great malady of the 20th century implicated in all of our troubles and affecting us individually and socially is loss of soul. When our soul is neglected, it doesn't just go away. It appears symptomatically in obsessions, addictions, violence, and the loss of the meaning. Our temptation is to isolate these symptoms or to try to eradicate them one by one. But the root problem is that we have lost our wisdom about the soul, even our interest in it. I don't know about you guys, but I, man, I've been in seasons where I'm battling an addiction and I'm battling and battling and battling and battling and feeling like I'm just not getting victory. And it's, that is tantamount to trying to treat the symptom instead of the root issue. And um, so I agree with that completely. Um, another one, once upon a time, Christianity was the stuff of legends and Christ's followers were the kind of men and women who turned the world upside down. But over time, something has happened to that once fervent and brave-hearted band who dared to be called Christians. Many today have inherited a faith that has no real life or power. I know I've been there. I thought I felt that way. Like, man, where's, where, is this what I signed up for? Is this the power that you know, is talked about in scripture? Do I feel that? Do I feel that moving in my life? Um, they, go, they go on to say, something has to change. There's an ancient blood-stained trail trod by the greatest men and women in history, beckoning us to once again explore its epic grand terrain. And the last one here. Um, royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment and intimacy with God is my life source. Intimacy with God is my life source. Um, one of the things that's kind of cool, and maybe you've experienced this before, but um, this has happened a few times in my life, is where I start to see like a consistency in message. And when that happens, like over a couple of weeks or a couple of months, where it's like, you know, I'm going throughout my day and somebody at work mentions something and I'm like, whoa, okay. 
Um, or maybe, maybe I don't even pause. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't even think about it, but you know, a couple days later, somebody else says something or you hear a song on the radio and it, and it really hits you a certain way. And then you get to church and you're already like thinking about it and you're kind of praying about this thing. And then the preacher preaches about that exact same thing, you know? And it's like, dude, God is totally talking to me about this thing right now. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, uh, you know, we try to plan our series out a couple of months in advance, and I'd had this on there because I'm thinking like, man, I know every year, every year at Christmas time, I'm just like smoked. Like I just, I'm, I'm tapped out and, um, it would be nice to, to not have to do like a traditional holiday series and spend some time thinking about like caring for our own souls. Right. And so I had this on the calendar and then, um, one of our pastors here, uh, was doing some training and she was, she, she was like, Hey, I'm going to do some training on soul care. And I was like, Oh, there it is. Okay. Like God's speaking this to us. And I think it's important for us to listen to what he has to say. So I served in a church for a long time down in the Springs. I just moved to Colorado Springs. I had just recently gone through divorce. Um, I finally said yes to Christ. And I was answering his call on my life for the first time, right? I was 28 years old. And I just moved to the Springs from like Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm here and I'm alone. And I started Bible school, right? And I wanted to serve in the church. So I started serving in this church and I, I was on the worship team. And um, during this, so there's like a lot of things going on with my soul, right? You know, I'm going to counseling. Did I get chili on my shirt? No. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> just felt something. I was like, was that chili? Anyway. Um, I'm going to counseling for, um, for the divorce that I went through and, um, but I'm also like serving the Lord and exciting new things were happening. Like God was revealing himself to me in ways. And, and I was living by myself in this little, you know, uh, 400 square foot studio apartment. And there was a lot going on in my soul in this like really, really intense compacted period of time where I was in Bible school. And, uh, it was probably one of the biggest watershed moments in my entire life. You know, every single day there were decisions um, for or against relationship with Christ. And I felt like it was every single day was like a battle waging for my soul. Like I, um, you know, was, was really struggling with, um, you know, allowing my time that I spent in the word for school to, to like, I was, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I just spent eight hours writing a paper on Philippians two. You know, I don't, I don't know that I need to go spend more time in the Bible. You know, and and so I was kind of getting lazy like that in some of those decisions, and and so it was like a huge, really intense moment in my life. And um, but at, so I'm serving at this church. I'm on their their worship team, and um, and the pastor had just left this church. Okay, and he had been there for like 34 years. So he just, he just leaves like half the church left the day that he left. And it was like a 25 person, 2,500 person church. And so in like one day we went down to like a thousand people. And, um, and the frustrating thing is that they continued to try to do church like they were a 2,500 person church. And so they're doing all the same events. They're doing all the same activities, all the same programming. And, and basically what that meant was that all the volunteers were spending like 40 hours a week plus at the church, just volunteering. And we got burned out big time. 
you could see it all over their faces and and um, and it was it was kind of a scary thing but um, during this time what was really interesting is like my soul was alive like it was it was I was excited about what I was experiencing with God God was rearranging the furniture in my heart um, like I had come through a lot of years of alcoholism and some of this stuff was just God was dealing with it in my life. And um, it was just crazy because I was so excited and um, I would come back to my apartment and by myself, I'm all alone. And I'm like doing communion by myself or something like that, or like just spending time with Abba. And um, what was crazy was that this whole time, all this kind of unrest and, and spiritual chaos that was happening in my life, though it was exciting, it was, it was chaotic. Um, not one time in the four years I was at this church, did anybody pause and say, how is it with your soul? Nobody ever said, how's your heart? Nobody ever even asked me if I believe in Jesus during this entire time that I served at this church. And I thought, man, that's, that can't be normal. That can't be normal, right? Do, the church is the one place where we should be concerned with how is it with your soul or how's your heart or how are you in your relationship with Jesus and not a single person asked. Later on, I went on to seminary, which is why we moved to Denver in the first place. And I found out pretty quick that an entire part of my degree track was devoted to soul care. And I kind of got upset because my immediate thought was, no, that's not your business. That's my business. Your job is to teach me. And my job is to pursue Christ, right? You know, that's my thing. That's between me and God. And I found out the value of spending time and having, um, you know, them just investing in that part of my life of, of, um, learning what it meant to really care for my soul. I think I was doing some of it intuitively already, but to have that be a huge part and it really impacted my life. Um, so between working at my church and the seminary experience, it was a really interesting time where I had the opportunity to observe myself. Like I was doing a lot of introspection and, and, and my own searching for Christ, right? And my own, um, okay, God, how do you want me to be living? That kind of stuff. And, um, and observing people around me and seeing these people totally burned out and totally frustrated and just... I know it doesn't represent who they are as a person. I know they're wonderful people, um, but are they caring for their own souls? And it was, um, it was such an intense period of time that I think I learned a lot about what it means to really care for your soul, even through really, really difficult times. And so this series is really going to be about, about that. It's going to be about what it means to really spend time caring for our souls. I think it's something that we forget about a lot, right? Um, maybe we, uh, we want to serve God, okay? Uh, maybe we want to serve God. And so we um, are all the time working for him and doing things for him, and we're not caring for our own soul. Um, that happens a lot. That happens a lot, actually, especially for people who have incredible work ethic. They, they work hard, they work hard, they work hard, and they don't take that time to care for their soul. And, um, 
And we're going to talk about that. But, you know, a couple things that I want to just start off with. Number one is that no church is perfect. No church is perfect. Pastor John here says, um, you know, no church is perfect. If you're looking for the perfect church, if you find it, don't go there because you'll mess it up. You know, he says that all the time. And, uh, but there's no perfect church out there. And because of that, because of that, while the church does exist to edify and equip believers, church was never, ever, ever meant to replace your own pursuit of God or your own soul care. It was never meant to replace that. It was, it was only meant to equip it and encourage it and build it up. And unfortunately, I think a lot of us relegate our spiritual growth to the church. A lot of us relegate our soul care to the church. Have you ever said this in the last few months um, or, 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 you know, visiting churches or, or checking some different places out? Maybe you've said this. I don't feel like I'm growing in my faith here. The small group discussion isn't that deep here. The worship here isn't helping me feel the spirit. I think those are some dangerous things that we say or think or feel when we are in that, in that, in that dangerous place of, of depending on the church to help us feel like our, our spiritual growth is happening. And, um, and so first and foremost, I want to say, um, are you hoping or expecting church or young adults, maybe this community here to be your source of growth in your relationship with Jesus? And I hope that the answer is no, because we are human beings. We're going to fail. We're human beings. This community is going to not live up to your expectations, not even your expectations, your needs, your your needs, your, your soul needs more than this community can provide everything for. And so um, I heard this a long time ago and I really liked it, but be a thermostat, not a thermometer. You think about a thermometer just reflects or reads the temperature in the room, but a thermostat actually sets the temperature in the room. You can come here, you can come here and be that person that is, is loving on other people and, and um, reaching out to others and encouraging others. And I would encourage you to be that person um, because this is supposed to be a place where we are lifted up, where we're equipped, where we're encouraged to go out of these doors and, and do life well and to be thriving and not just surviving during this difficult season. Um, so we're gonna look at Philippians 2. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're going to look at there, look at that really quickly. Just a couple of verses here. Um, hopefully, uh, you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, let me know, and and we can um, punch you in the face. I'm just kidding. I mean, we can get you a Bible. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right, Philippians two. Uh, verse 12, we're studying in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, this might be a little bit different than what's on here. I'll read this. Okay. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Next verse. Maybe there's not a next verse. All right. For it is God, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Okay. All right. 
This is Paul. Paul's talking to the church in Philippi. And um, the, the, the verses right before this are like historical, crazy, huge verses. It's called the Kenosis passage where he talks about how Jesus took on flesh and humbled himself and made himself basically be nothing. And what he's trying to encourage is he's actually trying to encourage unity in the church because he's saying, look, if we all live like Christ did in, in a place of, of absolute humility, then we will be united in the gospel. And then right after that, he goes into this and he says um, these things. He, he's, and, and the part that I want to just um, focus in on really quickly is where he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God at work within you enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so think about this, the word your. Now in the King James Version, it actually says your own. And I think that's a little, a little richer there to be thinking about um, your, your own salvation, your own salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's an interesting phrase from Paul. Uh, we don't see it anywhere else in scripture, but what is he saying here to this church at Philippi after he's been talking about humility and unity and all of these things? And one thing I know is that Paul, during this time, he's, he's obviously, he's hoping to go to Philippi. He wants to travel there. He wants to visit his people and go back to them. Um, he wants badly to get to see his friends and his brothers and his sisters, um, but he doesn't know if he's gonna get the opportunity to. Paul is unsure at this point when or if he'll be able to make it back to Philippi. But what does he want to do in this statement? He wants to encourage them not to depend on his presence to advance their faith, but rather to work out their faith, their own salvation, to work out their own salvation. Now, um, this word salvation, right? Typically, when we think of it, we think of, um, you know, somebody who doesn't know Jesus and, and, uh, and they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and, and they acknowledge that they uh, um, acknowledge the price that he paid on the cross and they invite him into their heart and, hey, they're saved, right? That's kind of what we think about when we read this word. But we have to be careful. Um, I think it's important for us to ask, okay, what does Paul mean with this word salvation? Who is he talking to? Think about this. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers, early believers. So he's not I don't think he's thinking about, you know, work out how it is that you receive the gift of eternal salvation. I don't think that that's what he's talking about. Especially because if you look a couple chapters over, he's talking about these two ladies and he's talking about how their names are written already in the book of life. Um, so Paul, I think we can, we can um, conclude that he's talking to believers. So what does he mean by this word salvation? And what does he mean by this statement? And here's my interpretation of it, okay? This is dangerous, but this is my interpretation of it, is that he's saying, do not depend on my presence to continue growing in your faith. Do not depend on me. You need to take the reins. You need to take ownership. You need to grow in maturity at some point without me. At some point without me. 
You know, I've, um, and every ministry, every pastor experiences this, but, you know, I've sat down with folks from time to time over the years that have said, you know, um, we don't feel like this is stretching us enough, um, or we don't feel like, you know, the, the questions are deep enough or, or whatever. And, and what I, what I'm hearing Paul saying right here, number one, is that as Christians, we need to take ownership of our own pursuit of Christ and our own growth in Christ. It's not, yes, the church is a huge and vital and important and necessary part of that, but that's not all of it. That's not all of it. I think it's important for us. I think we are relational beings. God created us to be in relationship with others. And so, um, you know, we see the importance of being a part of the body of Christ and, and being there and being present. But that's not it. And that's not a replacement for those times when I get to spend with Abba alone and Enjoying him, enjoying the ways that he is stretching my faith and building my faith and, and ministering to my soul and loving on my soul. And so as we think about this idea of soul care, the first thing I want you to think about is take ownership of your own soul care. Young adults isn't going to do it for you. Young adults can help. It can be an encouragement, but it's not going to take the place of you and your personal time every single day with Abba. Take ownership. You know, and and if it's like, you know, uh, if you see ways that we could be a better community or if you see ways that we could um, get better and, and encourage each other better, man, I would love to have a conversation with you. You guys know, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for ways that we can improve as a community and grow and do better, but that is not a replacement for your time spent with God. So take ownership. Take ownership, number one. Number two, take inventory. Take inventory. Um, Does anybody in here know my middle name? Besides Hayden? (laughs) Oh, you know my middle name? Oh, what is it? Wesley, okay. Um, So my parents decided to name me after this guy who's a theologian. No pressure, right? Um, but his name was John Wesley and he, um, you know, he was kind of a, uh, he was a theologian, but he traveled a lot and, and was part of the revivalist movement and this, um, theological movement that was called holiness. And this idea in this movement is that, um, you know, God is is making us more and more and more like him and that we grow in our holiness and righteousness through the power of his Holy Spirit. And um, one of the things that he's known for is that as he was starting very much like Paul did, Paul traveled around and he started a bunch of churches. John Wesley kind of did a similar thing, right? He's traveling around, he's starting these different churches, these little pockets of Christians that are, are focused on the holiness movement. And this was over in, I think, England. When they would gather, he said, I, I don't understand why we get together and just have all this small talk. 
And he said, why can't we have really, really, really deep, meaningful conversations when we get together? Because this is like life and death stuff. The gospel is life and death. It's, it's, it has internal, eternal significance and importance. And so he said, why don't we, when we meet together, instead of saying like, hey, how's your day or how's the weather or, or how's your foot, you know, that you broke last week or whatever it is, maybe we could get together and say, how is it with your soul? And that's what he uh, was kind of known for starting in their groups of churches, their house churches, and they would get together. And as they meet, they would walk in and it, was, it wouldn't be like, hey, what about that you know, game last week? Or what about the weather? Or what about this or that? It would be, how is it with your soul? And what I love about that is that if we had that same culture, you see, that's a culture, right? That's a culture of caring, of authenticity, of sincerity, of encouragement. Um, if we had that culture, during the season where I was at this church for so long, I bet a lot of people would be able to share, like maybe the frustration that they had of spending 40 hours a week volunteering at a church and at least be able to talk about it, you know, instead of having to um, put on a smile and, and act like, you know, everything's hunky-dory. And, and, and somebody would have, I would have been able to at least talk about the craziness that was going on in my life during that season. I think it would have been really, really nice to talk about how it was with my soul during that season. And so I want to ask you tonight, how is it with your soul? How's your heart? How are you tonight? You know, um, and, and I'm guilty of this. There's been a lot of times where um, I've, I've said things like, hey, you know, let's leave what's going on in life outside. I don't know that that's the best approach because what, who, what are we doing if if we're forced to ignore all the really big important stuff that may be weighing on our heart as we walk into the place that's the hospital, right? Church is a hospital, right? You don't go to your doctor and say, oh, I, I left my broken arm outside. No, you tell him about your broken arm and he gives you a cast so he could fix your broken arm. Um, but how's it with your soul this evening? So take ownership. Take ownership of your soul care. It is your, it is your responsibility, your job to be chasing Christ with every ounce of your being. It is your job. And I promise you, if you do that, you are going to experience him in ways you've never experienced him before to just enjoy being with him and pursuing him and taking ownership and not be thinking about, well, my church, you know, doesn't really meet my needs spiritually or, you know, my church. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about any church, period, end of story. There have been so many times, especially this one, where I was working at a church and my soul needed, like, like there is no way that that church was going to meet my needs spiritually to be intimate with Christ and, and to, to feel his presence and his, his, um, movement in my life. And so I had to learn to do this and take ownership of it. Uh, Ben, you can come back up. Um, but as we close, here's what I want to ask you. 
So first, take ownership. Number two, take inventory. I want to ask you something um, tonight. Maybe it's a little risky. Maybe it's a little challenging. And so if you're not there, that's totally fine. Um, but I'd love for you to think about the people that are in this room and ask yourself if there's somebody that you trust enough to get them and pull them aside. We're going to take just a few minutes here um, and ask each other the question, how is it with your soul? And maybe, maybe don't leave all the trash that's going on, whatever, outside these doors. Maybe don't do that. Maybe, maybe throw up on somebody for a change. Not literally, but you know what I'm saying. But maybe like let them know the real stuff that's going on. And, and in that moment, take a few minutes and just pray for each other. Now, I get it because all the introverts in the room are like internally screaming, okay? If that's you, that's totally fine. Maybe pull out your phone and go to the notebook, right? And I want you to ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, how is it with my soul? And jot that down. Take, write a few sentences. Take inventory. How is it with your soul? And, um, and then maybe take a few minutes to yourself. Just offer those cares up to Abba. He said, come to me all who are weary and burdened. And I don't know about you guys, but man, um, you guys know a lot of what's going on in my own personal life. Uh, my heart's been really heavy and burdened. That's how it is with my soul. But I love that we have a God that can hold every bit of it. And so I don't know where you're at tonight, but I'm gonna pray and uh, if anybody wants to grab me, we can, we can pray together. Um, I'm gonna pray and, and then we'll just take a few minutes while they sing the first song. Take a few minutes, grab somebody and just pull them aside and just pray with them and ask him, how is it with your soul tonight? Father, thank you for this challenging question. Thank you for uh, the reality that we don't have to come here and just play games or make believe that life is all perfect. You know, and maybe it is, maybe it's been an amazing um, couple of months and maybe I'm in a place or you're in a place where you feel like um, things are great. God, thank you for, for being the author of that. Because that means, uh, you know, I can answer to that question, how's my soul? My soul is great. And I am more in love with Christ than I've ever been. But if I, if I know this season, it's the holiday seasons that can make folks feel lonelier than they've ever felt. It's the holiday seasons that oftentimes can make us feel more tapped and um, more weary, more stressed, more anxious. So God, would you just carry that for us? You promised us come to you with our burdens and you will carry them. 
And I pray that as a community, we can carry them together and that we can engage in real conversation and ask each other, how is it with your soul? God, would you strengthen us? Would you give us courage to lean in in that way with each other? So it's not just about the weather. It's about real life. We just love you for being a real God who walked this earth and knows our hurts and our pains. We just love you in Jesus' name. Amen.